the worst style choice you've ever made? <laughs> fashion style or yeah. need style? Uh, fashion. Fa- fashion style. Um, I, I was born in 1970, so uh, <laughs> I did wear parachute pants at one point. Did re- like the MC Hammer ones? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Are there pictures of that around somewhere? Uh, are you just, not that I'll admit. Okay. There probably are, but actually mine isn't that far off. I'd have to go. Well, I mean, I was born in 83, but yeah. I think in high school, the Janko jean phase hit me hard, like yeah. the excessively large baggy pants. Yeah. 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 I think that was probably a mistake <laughs> looking back. Yeah. No doubt. So with that, welcome to episode 27 of stories from a bar. I'm your host, Chris Osborne. And today I'm hanging out with Peter Volker. Volker. Volker, I apologize for not asking how to pronounce that before we start. <laughs> That's the one thing I told myself to do, and I forgot. <laughs> uh, we I took a drive out to the beautiful Heldeberg Mead Works out here in Esperance or Dwaynesburg, is it technically? Mailing address is Esperance. We're still in Schenectady County physically. So how are you today, Peter? I'm doing wonderful. Do you go by Peter or Pete? Peter. Peter, all right. So thanks for taking the time to sit down and chat. I appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate you coming out. I, uh, I've been wanting to come out here for a, quite a while since I first started seeing this place pop up that the Taste Mead Hall here was open, and so I'm excited to finally be here and try all these meads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will say it's, uh, it's a little bit after 10.30 on a Sunday morning, and I'm drinking mead, so things are going pretty, pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> That's your uh, good morning breakfast it right It is, here. and uh, we've got four different meads lined up that we'll be talking about, and uh, I have to say I felt like I should have dressed like a Viking for this episode. Yeah, we, uh, we certainly have people that come in just like Vikings. Do you really? Yeah, we do. A lot of good costumes that roll through here? Some good, some not good, but yeah, we do. <laughs> but it's all in good fun. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, I had never actually tried mead until last week. Okay. And was it our mead or something <laughs> it, it was. It was your mead. Luckily, there's a liquor store by me that had some of your stuff on the shelf, like four or five different thing, uh, okay. bottles. I was actually surprised. So I had picked up a bottle of uh, the Heritage, okay. I believe it was. Yep. And uh, I have to say, it was not quite what I was expecting. It was a little lighter than I thought it would be and not as sweet. Okay, good. I mean, it was still delicious. Yeah. yeah. But, of course, all my meat experience comes from watching Medieval Times-type shows yeah. where, you know... <laughs> And, and uh, the way we make our mead, it's a little bit different than most of the common mead that you're going to find out there. You know, we have we have dry meads, we have sweet meads, we have heritage, which is overall our bestseller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is kind of in between all of that. And we also oak age our heritage in maple. So nice. it's got a little bit of a twist to it. And uh, the way I do the fermentation and the aging gives it a lot of depth, a lot of character, and a lot of different angles to the flavors. Interesting. Well, why don't we start off uh, with our flights here? Okay. And tell me a little bit about what this guy is. So the first one we have on our list here is called Odin's Tears. And I love the name. That might be my favorite name. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> I have to decide on that one. And oh, that's nice and smooth, that's for sure. Yes. And that one, uh, that's our dry mead. It's about 14% alcohol. And it is made uh, using the same honey I use for everything. But that is another thing I underestimated was the alcohol content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with that said, you know, 14 is around average for us. Okay. We go a little bit lighter than that, and we go a lot higher than that. So our maple, for example, is 17% alcohol. Um, so the Odin's Tears, it's fermented dry, and that's all we do to it. We just ferment it dry. 
and leave it. We don't touch it, we let it clear, and we bottle it just like that. So it's really uh, a pure dry mead. And you get all the flavor, all the body of the honey, but you don't have any sugar sweetness. It is quite good. There are a lot of, a lot of people that do uh, you know keto and paleo diets, mm -hmm. and they definitely flock to both the apple mead and the Odin's tears. Do they really? Yes. So it's good for dieting, is what you're telling me. <laughs> I'm saying it's zero sugar. Okay. If you want to lose weight, drink mead. Yes. <laughs> what are people's reactions when you meet someone, like a new people, and say you make mead? Most of the time, they don't know what mead is. You know, it's a learning experience. It is. And we teach a lot of people. We do a lot of teaching. Um, and some people don't really or never really thought that you can ferment honey. No, and I just, like I, as I mentioned, a lot of my meat experience comes from watching basically TV and movies. Mm -hmm. I imagine that's most people's. Yeah, and with the popularity of Game of Thrones and Vikings yeah. and things like that, a lot more people are... And we'll be talking about, about all the drinking horns around here, too, because they're just <laughs> awesome, but yes. Yeah, so, you know, it's gaining a lot more visibility because of that. That is pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, the... Obviously, breweries and distilleries are popping up everywhere. They are. And now, meaderies, probably a drink even older than beer. <laughs> the the oldest beer. discovered alcohol was a honey-fermented beverage. Yeah. So, uh, that was about 7,000 years ago that we know of in China. Interesting. And they were probably doing it before that. This is just the oldest discovered. So, when people, after they get over the initial mead, what's that? What do you right. tell them mead actually is? I. Uh, Depending on where we are and what the person already knows, I might explain it as a honey wine mm -hmm. so that, you know, you make that connection to the alcohol level and the flavor and the process of wine Yeah, because it's not brewed, you know, it's fermented like you would ferment a wine or, a, you know, grape juice. So I might take that approach or I could just tell them that uh, it's fermented honey and explain that, okay, People hear honey and they immediately think sweet. Yeah. That's why, like I said, I was surprised when I tried the heritage. I'm like, oh, I thought this would be a little sweeter. Right. Right. And it doesn't have to be. So, you know, the explanation can go, all right, you've had a dry red wine. You've had red grape juice. So, you know, there's your correlation because the grape juice is sweet and the wine is dry. Yeah. We like to kind of blow people's minds by having <laughs> dry stuff like that. <laughs> So, how does the mead making process work? Obviously, I'm more familiar with beer, so this is all mm -hmm. new to me. Uh, it's actually pretty easy. Uh, it's very easy to make mead. Not easy to make good mead, but it's very <laughs> easy to make mead. You take honey, and you mix it with water, and you throw in some yeast and let it ferment. And then you have mead. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Simple enough. That's the easy way. How long does fermenting usually take? I imagine, does it depend on the type of mead you're trying to do? Or? It does. It depends on the type of yeast that you use for mm -hmm. fermentation. Uh -huh. um, our feral mead is a wild strain of yeast that I captured from the air and cultivated. And I use that for the fermentation. And it's a slow process. It takes a good three to four months to ferment a 600-gallon batch. Oh, wow. But something like you know the other meads that I do... That is a commercial strain of yeast, uh, wine yeast, and that will ferment out in two weeks or so. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's definitely a big difference. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, much more active yeast, you know, but it's a commercial wine yeast. So, I mean, they're designed to do that for uh, wineries. Interesting. Do you, are you able to get uh, all your honey and ingredients from the local area? Absolutely. Everything, 95% of everything comes from within 30 miles. <laughs> we, our currants, uh, black currant, uh, they come from the Hudson Valley. That's fantastic. So still New York. Yeah. And uh, the cherries for our uh, cherry vanilla and our cherry cider come from uh, near Buffalo, western New York. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I know New York's pretty ranked pretty high in honey production, actually. So. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I've been using the same honey supplier since I started. And he is uh, actually probably 15 miles from here. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yep. What is so when it comes to making a new batch of mead, what are the usual general challenges or biggest issues? Uh, the biggest challenges are uh, time of year. Okay. So uh, I really have trouble doing this in the summertime. Because when you have an active fermentation of that size, it generates its own heat. So I need to keep the temperatures cool huh. when I ferment and keep them under 70. Uh, so in the summertime, it's a little difficult to do that because, you know, I, I have air conditioning, but it's hard to keep the air conditioning at 60 in the summertime without eating up a ton of energy. But yeah, that's something I would have thought of. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I do have uh, cooling coils that I could put in and they work very well. It's just more of a pain. I'd rather do the uh, the actual fermentation this time of year. Interesting. So do you you have your own apiarist? <laughs> <laughs> you I have do. no idea how long I've wanted to use that word in conversation. <laughs> of course, means beekeeper. Yes. <laughs> we do. Uh, yeah. I, when I first started, I reached out to a bunch of uh, local beekeepers and... The resources for contacting beekeepers were not as thorough as they are today. So mm -hmm. turns out a lot of the ones <laughs> I was reaching out to, they had honey farms, but they were very small. So I wanted to buy a 55-gallon drum of it, and most of them said that's my entire year's supply. Wow. Oh, all right. Never it's not mind. as easy as flipping through the yellow pages trying to find beekeeper or apiarist? Well, it was that easy, but that's the oh, answer right. I got. So you... Had an issue because it was usually smaller type. They were smaller collection. home farm type businesses, yes. But I ran into uh, my honey supplier and been working with him ever since. Nice. Obviously, over the last few years, like bee populations have been a real concern. Yes. Is that something you guys in the meat industry keep track of, or is it affecting you at all? We definitely keep track of it. Um, it must have some effect on us. You know, in one way or another, whether it's honey prices or things like that, for me, it has not had an effect because my honey supplier is uh, very diligent about his bees. So <laughs> he does not have die off. Oh, that's good. Yes. He takes good care of them. So, yeah, uh, it has not affected me personally. But believe me, the whole mead industry is very in tune to uh, CCD, colony collapse disorder. Yeah. Yeah, we watch it. We promote bee health. We uh, try very hard to seek out and use honey suppliers that are careful with their bees. Mm -hmm. So that's a it's a big deal to us. Have you been stung by bees? I have. I'm allergic to them. Are you really? Yes. What was your worst bee sting? Um, my worst bee sting was probably a yellow jacket and... 
uh, no, it, actually, it was it was a bald faced hornet in a ground nest oh. that I mowed over. Wow, that sounds painful. That was painful. It was. Oh man. Yeah, I was walking my dog years ago, and uh, when we lived in this particular apartment complex, nice grass area behind the building. So I'm out there walking the dog, but I was wearing flip flops because it's summer. Yeah. And there's kids out playing. I caught a bee flew like under my big toe and got caught and stung me oh. under my big toe. Oh, that's a bad place. And <laughs> as I yelled obscenities, I have kids looking at me. The yeah. dog's just going about his business, of course. The dog doesn't care. No. <laughs> uh, why don't we talk about this next mead here? Sure. So this is our apple mead. I'm excited to try this one. I'm a, I'm a big cider fan, and I'm curious how similar this is and what the differences are. Take a sip. Let me know what you think. Very good. It's definitely not cidery, that cidery to me. Right. Yep, it's a blend. Um, it's, it's about two-thirds mead, one-third cider. Okay. And uh, this is made... I get uh, my fresh press cider from Indian Ladder Farms. And great place. Great place, absolutely. Great people to work with. Yep. So I get my cider from them, and I make hard cider out of that and uh, use a very specific yeast for that just to make sure I got the flavor that I like. And I ferment that dry. has to age for at least six months. Okay. Because uh, there's always some unique flavors that come from fermenting the apples, and when you let it age, it smooths out, and at six months or so it ends up being really really good and that's that's what yeah, you're this drinking is here nice and smooth i can easily sit there and sip on this for a while <laughs> yeah and this is another completely dry one no residual sugar and even when you say dry it's not overly dry by any means i think so there's there's perception and then there's you know sugar content yeah i can tell you this has zero sugar so that again if you're on a diet and looking to get hammered. <laughs> Correct. If you eat keto or uh, paleo, this is your way to go. Um, but the, the honey brings a lot of body to it, so it doesn't drink like it's so dry. It feels nice and full-bodied. Uh, the cider actually is bringing that down a little bit from the Odin's Tears. The Odin's Tears may have a little bit more fullness to it, mm -hmm. uh, but... This is uh, very, very easy drinking. When we do a festival, and you know, we do a, a lot of wine festivals, so we're aware of the fact that people are going around tasting all kinds of wine. Yeah. And if they come to our table and we hit them with an Odin's Tears, they're going to run scared. So <laughs> something like an apple or the next one, a staghorn, is a really good introduction for them. So if they like a dry white, like a, a dry Riesling or something, mm -hmm. We'll, we'll hit them with the apple first. So it kind of introduces them to our flavors. I can see that, yeah. You mentioned some festivals, and I noticed some medals hanging over there. Yeah. And <laughs> we were talking <laughs> earlier on. Uh, so mead is when you... It's a kind of a pain in the ass to submit it to festivals. Yeah, mead is a little bit of an outlier. Uh, there are some mead competitions out there, mead-specific, and uh, that's wonderful. There's more popping up. Uh, I do have a, a medal. Uh, it's not on display here. But I have it back at the production facility from a meat, actual mead competition. Mm -hmm. So that was we were proud of that. But we selectively submit our meads to competitions because federally, mead falls in the wine category. Yeah. So you have to submit it as a wine. 
and when you submit it to a wine competition, yeah, the judges are excellent at tasting and judging wines. They may not be as familiar with mead as they are with wine. So uh, sending a mead like our heritage mead into a wine competition is almost a, an instant lose situation. So it's not worth the time or the effort to do it. That is interesting. Yeah. yeah. But the judges, you know, you, you look for competitions where you see a lot of different types of products. Yeah. You know, if I send it to the San Francisco International Wine Competition, it probably has no chance. So I'm not going to do that. But if I send it to, say, the, the Great Northeast Wine Competition, and they have a lot of variety to what they're um, judging, they have a variety of categories, much more so than a typical wine competition, then I'll send it to them because they're looking at outside products too. Interesting. And uh, which is the one that you mentioned won the double medal there? So our uh, cherry vanilla, we did choose to send that one into the uh, Great Northeast uh, Wine Competition. And uh, to my delight and surprise, we didn't just win a gold medal. Uh, we won double gold, which means every judge gave it a gold medal. It's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. And they also gave us the best New York wine of the entire competition. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they also gave us the best fruit wine of the competition. <laughs> so uh, Really cleaned up. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and they actually called me to ask me about the uh, the vanilla in it because they had one more award that they could have given me if the vanilla beans came from New York State. Oh. So if anyone out there knows a New York State vanilla bean farm, please let us know. But I don't <laughs> think they exist. <laughs> I can't say that I've heard of one, no. They could be out there, though. So you mentioned a production facility. We are at the meat hall, you guys. Op How long has the meat hall tasting room here been open? So we opened the doors uh, December 11th of 2000. Uh, well, we opened the doors December 13th of 2018. So a little, a little over, over a year. year. Yes. Nice. How's it been going so far? It's uh, been way different and way better than we had ever <laughs> expected. I love the look of this place because it's just Vikinged out with, of course, the drinking horns. It's like a giant four foot one up there. That's awesome. <laughs> And even better is just the general setting around the building. You guys are basically in the mountains, surrounded by trees and open land. Yeah, yes, we love it. It's an awesome setting, and I definitely need to come back when it's warm out. <laughs> the the sun sets right over that. It was mountain. a beautiful drive out here. It was like a half hour because the sun's out, but it's winter and it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just to touch on the the Viking theme a little bit, we decided when we were starting the uh, the metery to begin with ten years ago that we, uh, we wanted to go with the Viking theme because I'm a descendant of the first king of Norway, King Harald Are you really? Ferrier. Yes. That's amazing. So, you know, it's a, it's a natural... Is that something you just discovered one day earlier on, or is that it, something... Well, uh, my grandmother's maiden name is Schoenhaar, which is German for beautiful hair. Okay. And I have a, uh, a relative who is in Europe, and he traced our family lineage as far back as records go and the name as it gets out of Germany and the direction that it goes is all to Scandinavia with King Harold Fairhair. Interesting. So it's a, it's a natural thing. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a reason behind the Vikingness. There is. Absolutely. 
Where's the, you don't actually make the meat here. This is just the tasting room. Where's your production right. facility? Uh, it's still in Dwaynesburg. Okay. Yes. So it's about 10 minutes away from here. Oh, all right. Well, that's super convenient. Yeah, it is. <laughs> when you were, when you, something I didn't know is you've had products out and available for Eight years. Eight years? Yes. Was that prior to opening the tasting room? Way prior. Yep. <laughs> um, we... Because, like I said, I only had mead like last week, and I didn't even honestly know about the mead, your mead works, until this place opened a year ago. Yeah. And that's uh, that's been a common theme that we've heard from people that have been here. We've been doing festivals. Uh, we've been doing wholesale. Before we opened the tasting room, we were up to over 200 stores in New York. So it's been out there for a while. Uh, we started with a 10-year business plan when we opened, and in year two, we were, we were way past our 10-year point. Oh, wow. And we hadn't planned on opening a tasting room for another probably 10 years, but the opportunity is here. The popularity is here, so we're opportunists, and we jumped on it. It's interesting, because it's kind of like the reverse that you see most breweries or distilleries mm-hmm. kind of go with, because they have that tasting room immediately, and then right. kind of have to expand out into wholesale. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, it was just easier to start the production, because uh-huh. we started really, really small. We started really small. And uh, I did all the legal work myself. I studied up and did that, um, and I... Did not take out any loans. It's all my own money that I invested in it. So we thought, all right, we'll start small. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we uh, ended up hitting the front page of the Gazette and kind of took off from there. (laughs) We went from 12 stores to 60 stores. Wow. Uh, And then uh, I was doing it all myself. Uh, My wife was helping on the production side, and uh, we we also had our first kid back when we first started, so it was a little difficult. We ended up picking up a distributor. So that helped a lot Mm -hmm. and just kept riding that. Awesome. Yeah, it was fun. So what's this uh, third mead we've got going here? So this third one, we call it Staghorn, and it's made with sumac. Interesting smell. I like that. That one definitely feels more fuller to me. This one is a little bit sweeter. There's a little bit more honey, residual honey. And the citrus the acidity that you get from this is from the sumac. And when I wanted to come out with something just for the tasting room, I was looking at, you know, what indigenous ingredients do we have around here? What do we have that people aren't really using? What do we have that I can just go and forage and get? And come to realize that uh, all the sumac that you see along the side of the road is not poisonous, not at all. (laughs) The, uh, I totally the, forgot about poison sumac. <laughs> oh, yeah. We 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 get people all the time. Is that poison? <laughs> no, no, it is. Be an interesting marketing gimmick. <laughs> and you can see we've got some sumac uh, just sitting on the bar. Oh the, yeah, uh, that's right. The red pods that you see. Yeah. So, you know, I'm able to go into my backyard and uh, forage and harvest the sumac, and we use that to make the uh, the sumac meat. Interesting. It brings a lemon kind of citrus flavor to it. It does. It's quite delicious. This what? is this is one for uh, people that are wine fans also. But I'm a wine fan. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed pulling up. It looks like you have. Uh, you're trying to grow some ingredients out there. What are you trying to do out there? Yes. Yeah, so uh, we did plant a vineyard also, 
It's a, it's a small vineyard right now. Uh, we're going to keep expanding it. We've got about 200 grapevines. Oh, wow. We've got five different kinds of grapes. And uh, I'm also planting uh, trees, fruit trees. So we want to uh, we want to do some other unique native New York type ingredients. It didn't take me long from doing this podcast to realize that uh, yeah, there's a lot of breweries and things like craft beverage places opening up, but they're also a lot of them are trying to grow their own ingredients, which I think is fascinating mm-hmm. and awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of natural to do that, I think, because. If assuming you have pride in your product, yeah. you know you want to have pride in what goes into it also. And it, to me, there's no better feeling than growing your own grapes, crushing them yourself, and making your own grape honey mead, a piment. Mm-hmm. So that will be uh, hopefully on tap for the end of this year. Interesting. What's required in New York for opening a meadery? Is it basically similar to trying to get a license for a brewery or distillery or it's anything it, like that it all depends uh there's a, di- a couple of different ways you can go about it it's only been a couple of years since metery licenses were available or I am i just, wrong? just this year I okay think. uh so uh up until this year in new york state you had to be licensed as a winery okay so and federally even today you're still considered a winery and that has to do, that totally has to do with how you produce the mead. Interesting, because there's no brewing, there's no grains, it's just a straight fermentation, just like you would do with grape juice. So, the method of production is very close to wine. Okay. So federally, you're still a wine. Uh, in New York, uh, you can be a winery, you can be a farm winery, and you can be a meadery. So you can take your pick of those. And you could also be a micro winery. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I can bore you with some of the the legalities. No, that's all right. I was mainly just curious on the process there. Yeah. How did you end up settling on the name Heldeberg Meadworks? Well, I wanted a local name. Yeah. And this was, uh, you know, before Heldeberg Brewery. This was before Heldeberg Mountain Brewery. Uh, and I wanted to use a local name, Dwaynesburg, just as proud as I am to live in <laughs> Dwaynesburg. The name doesn't really ring well for stores out in Buffalo or up in uh, yeah. Lake Placid or wherever. So uh, I looked for a little bit more of a majestic local name. All right. And uh, we have the Helderberg Escarpment. We have the Helderberg Mountains. Yep. So I ran with Helderberg. It's a perfect setting to go with the name because yes. you're surrounded by mountains and just open land and yeah. it's beautiful. You guys, you built this building from scratch, right? Yep. This was, this was uh, when we bought this land, um, it was former pasture. So there was, there was an old farm here. Uh, it was the old McDuffie farm. And uh, we actually got to be friends with the, uh, the people who inherited the, uh, uh, the farm. Uh, great people. So uh, the land here was former pasture, way overgrown. So the last time this land was used was like 50 years ago. Oh, wow. So, you know, we saw the land, could barely walk up to the peak where we're sitting right now, but we knew this was a beautiful spot. It had the right exposure. Uh, you know, we we're pretty much south facing, south southwest facing yep. on the slope. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we, we saw it, fell in love with it. It was close enough to our home, so 
super yeah, convenient. It was. <laughs> Had some friends come and help us out. We clear cut everything. And then uh, the only thing we decided to uh, farm out was really the insulation here. I mean, the, the building's a Morton building. They, they built this. They did a fantastic job. Yep. And we also had them do all the insulation. So I wasn't going to mess with the fiberglass. Everything else, interior here, we, we did ourselves. It's awesome. It, like I said, it looks awesome. I love the rustic modern feel to it. That's absolutely, thank you. You nailed it. And of course, you can't go <laughs> wrong with swords on the wall. So that's great. <laughs> swords, skulls, drinking horns. Skulls everywhere. I love the drinking horns. I'm going to have to pick up a drinking horn to take home with me <laughs> for sure. And we've also got some uh, pelts and hides coming. As I joked about when I told people I was coming to the meadery, I feel like I needed a, a skull of an enemy to drink my meat out of to really get the full effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do have a couple smaller skulls we could bring over, put on the table. <laughs> <laughs> So who ended up designing the horn cups and these giant horns? Um, we actually work with an overseas company that oh, really? does it. Yeah. Yep. It's a byproduct of the uh, the meat industry, so it's not like any animals are killed for their horns. It's definitely, yeah, that's definitely good to know. No, we're, we were very clear about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're not hunters ourselves, but we're certainly not oblivious to where meat comes from, so any part of the animal that can be used. Yep. We're happy to help use that as long as it's not the reason that they're killing the cows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What was it about me that appealed to you so much? How did you end up getting into it? So, uh, I, we talked a little bit earlier. I graduated from RPI, nuclear engineer. That's true. You're a busy guy. <laughs> you are a busy guy. In 1992, when I graduated... The, uh, the nuclear industry was just collapsing at that time. And I really could not get a job. So I was home for a year. I started doing my own homebrew. So I started doing beer first and realized that for beer, you really have to go all grain if you're going to do good beer, at mm -hmm. least back then. I think the the malt industry has progressed now. Yeah, just but, like you said, it, I mean, it's easy to make. It's easy to make beer mead it's difficult to do it well that's right so I, I said all right what else can i do i didn't want to do wine there's so much wine out there it wasn't legal to distill so i decided all right there's mead and <laughs> i started with that interesting yeah how'd your first few batches come out so uh, <laughs> uh i like the hesitation <laughs> yeah a week or two ago we had a, a staff meeting here and uh you know, us and we've got uh, 12 employees working for us now. So almost everybody was here. That's amazing that in, you know, within the year of having the meat hall open that you have, you're able to have that many people. It's been a crazy year. It really <laughs> has. <laughs> it it kind of blew up when you opened the tasting room, right? It did. So, uh, you know, on a, on a tangent, we decided, all right. The tangents we are welcome. <laughs> we opened the doors December 13th and uh, decided in the spring we were going to extend some hours and uh, my wife and i were doing this pretty much ourselves we had one or two pe people that were helping us out and we needed to hire somebody so we put a job ad out and we got 30 to 40 people apply holy, holy shit <laughs> that's what we said <laughs> so we we picked people and started interviewing and uh we did a good job choosing people because we interviewed, I think, five people. 
Yep. And ended up hiring all five. <laughs> and we needed that, which we didn't realize we needed. And we actually needed that and then some. So um, just a, a couple of weeks ago, we hired five more, six more. So we did all of that hiring and we've got a great group of people. Uh, my wife and I even, in one interview last year, once the person left, we high-fived each other. We were like, <laughs> yeah, this is good. <laughs> did, I'm curious, did they come in here knowing what Mead was? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I imagine that's a prerequisite at least. Uh, have an know, idea of what it is. If you're going to apply for a job, <laughs> if you don't do some research and you come in and you don't even know what Mead is, we're not going to hire you. You know, you got to be diligent about it. You got to know it. You have time to study. You better study up. Yeah. You know, I mean, we have fun here, but we're also professional about what we do. Good. Was it tough trying to come up when you were building this place with like the design and how you wanted it to look? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. That was quick. I had it all in my mind. I knew what I wanted. Uh, there was no, no question at all. <laughs> Why don't we talk about uh, a little bit about this last guy here on the flight? I okay. believe this was the hot pepper one, right? Yep. This is our pepper bead. And this is uh, what was recommended to me on Facebook, actually. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> when I posted about it. So we, uh, we decided to come out with a pepper mead. And I, I'm the mead maker. So I did some trials. And it was very, very surprising how the trials came out. I surprised myself with it, even. Oh, wow. That, I said that myself. It's got spice, but not so much in the flavor. It still has a good mead wine type flavor. So I wanted to get like almost a jalapeno level of spiciness. Mm -hmm. So I would say we're at <coughs> 15 to 20,000 scoville. pipe. <laughs> but I don't use any Spicy. jalapenos in it. We went with uh, three peppers blended so that we get a rounded flavor. You have one pepper that cuts through, which I think you I think I found that pepper. <laughs> and I'm kind of glad I have a little left over from my other samples here to kind of chase that with. <laughs> but this is one where people try it and they go, oh, wow. Because nice. it's so, so surprising. You know, it, it's not, I could have done ghost peppers. I could have done habaneros. But oh, God. I don't want to kill someone. I want or to Or your bathroom afterwards. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I made it so it's completely drinkable. It, it is pretty drinkable as long as, you know, you can tolerate a little heat. Tolerate your heat, yeah. Because mm -hmm. I've definitely noticed a lot more of, uh, not a lot, but an increasing amount of like the jalapeno pepper type beers coming out mm -hmm. over the last year. I've seen them, you know, I, I've tried them. And there's a reason why I didn't make a jalapeno mead. Yeah. And it's just too singular of a flavor. With three peppers, you get the blend, you've got so much more interest, so much more flavor and character than going with a single common pepper. This, this is not one I will forget, that is for sure. <laughs> Do you have a pre preferred method when you drink your meat or just whatever? <laughs> I have a preferred method of presenting my meat to customers, for sure. <laughs> uh, for me, I've had so much meat that I'm intimately familiar with the flavors <laughs> if i happen to drink it out of one of my horn cups and it's at room temperature that's fine with me if it's even warm from sitting outside in the summertime it's okay with me 
But when it comes to presenting it to customers, we try to aim for seller temperature. Mm -hmm. So 55 to 60 degrees is really ideal. It brings out a lot of the different flavors. So there's certainly a reason why red wines are typically served at that temperature. Yeah. And to me, the same thing holds true for mead. But at the same time, we are very open-minded and we have uh, one person that works for us. She absolutely loves our sweet feral now that she has chilled it. <laughs> it wasn't her favorite before. She had a different favorite, but since she chilled it, absolutely loves it. So you, it, it's open-minded. You guys do a lot of mead-based cocktails too, for, right? We do a cocktail of the month every month. Because uh, obviously following your uh, Instagram there, those cocktails look pretty impressive <laughs> and quite delicious. They they certainly are. And uh, In fact, the, what was the, I think the most recent one I saw had the roasted marshmallow on the rim. That was just uh, come up with yesterday. Oh, all right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this being March 1st, today's the first day we're going to have it available. Awesome. Yeah. Um, we have uh, uh, one person that worked for us, uh, Taylor. She came to us with a lot of cocktail experience, a lot of good flavor experience with a great palate. And me being more of a mead purist, mm -hmm. but open-minded, um, she opened my mind to cocktails and just about every cocktail that's come through here has been amazing. Have you had a favorite one? <laughs> um, it's a had, thinker. I've had a number of favorites, seriously. Um, the, the, the warm spiced meads, like we did a cocktail called M5. Mm -hmm. That was actually one I created and the best warmed mold mead that I've ever made. Really? It was amazing. I still haven't actually had warmed or mold wine or mead. We can change that it's, today. I okay. Some. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to try it. That's for sure. I don't say no to much. <laughs> yeah, we, we do have some of uh, last month's cocktail that's still warm. So we'll do that uh, <laughs> after the podcast. Uh, this month, we've, we've got Drog. Which is the uh, the uh, cocoa and uh, black currant? Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, other than that, we had a smoked cocktail that was absolutely insane. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, it's interesting because it's another aspect for people to check out, other than just specific mead. Yeah, only. Yeah, absolutely. And we love doing that. Uh, customers love it. Um, and it's. Different than your normal, of course, beer or liquor place just to go and right. hang out. We want to make it interesting for people. We want to have something that changes up frequently. So, you know, a customer can come here one month and, and come here the next month and they've got something different to try. Yeah. What's been your favorite mead that you've made? Do you have a favorite? I love all they, of my children. <laughs> I was just going to say, <laughs> is it I love all my children? Secretly, there's a favorite, but I love all my children. I love all my meads for different <laughs> reasons. So my wife and I have pretty much been zero sugar for the past six months. So Odin's Tears and Apple have been our, our favorites. So your diet forced you to create booze you can drink and not affect <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. Aside from that, uh, I absolutely love the pepper. 
to do. The pepper is really good. The more I'm drinking, I, I mean, yeah, that spice is still there. <laughs> it is. But it, it has a nice flavor, and it's definitely drinkable. Yeah. And I'm super proud of our hard ciders. Was, uh, that's interesting. Obviously, you started with honey-based mead. Was yeah. cider seem like a natural transition or something to get into after you started so making I, some meads? This is an interesting story. I made the hard cider so that I could make my apple mead. Okay. So, you know, I, I used the cider with the apple mead, and I was doing apple mead for years. It was the second product I came out with after the Heritage. And when I was making the uh, the arrangements for doing a maple mead, again, another, another indigenous ingredient, we became friends with uh, the couple that owns Wilderhook Maple Farm. And they are both uh, gluten-free, not mm-hmm. intentionally, but allergically they have to be gluten-free and because of that they're big cider fans so um one day when they were bringing me the uh the maple syrup to use in my maple mead i was telling him about that the uh, the apple and he uh wanted to try it from the tank okay (laughs) why not sure (laughs) so i uh i tapped off the tank and uh he said pretty much oh my god why aren't you selling this Oh, wow. And that was that was the start of it, you know, got me thinking and then ramping up production to be able to do the cider. And it was it was them that really uh, prompted that. And as I've been doing cider and as I've had cider here and I've been trying a lot of ciders out there, I, I personally feel that mine is the best tasting. Awesome. And I'm not just saying that as a salesman. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, I know I don't remember if we did it. Before or, before or after I started recording, uh, you guys also make braggot. What exactly is braggot? So a braggot is a beer mead hybrid. We, did you team up with Browns Brewing in Troy for this? We did, yes. Okay. So some of the legal quirks, a meadery is a winery, and we're not allowed to do anything with grains. Federal law. Can't change it. Um, so... We ha- you have to team up with a brewery if you want to do a braggot. Interesting. Yes. So um, technically, the braggot that we have on tap here is a Browns Brewing product that mm-hmm. we're selling, but it was a full-on collaboration. The uh, the one we have available right now is called Braggoting Rights, because <laughs> we felt we had bragging yeah. rights on this. Perfect name. Yes. I love puns. <laughs> and uh, that one is about 12% alcohol, and... We aged that in, uh, I believe, seven different barrels and blended them together. It's heavy on the rye. It's a little bit spicy. Interesting. Very, very interesting flavor. It's perfect for winter. (laughs) Keeps the insides nice and warm. Yes. Just like this pepper meat is doing. (laughs) I'm sipping on it. (laughs) So, and also, what exactly is switchel? So Switchel, um, for that anyone is, that might not know, like myself, <laughs> we we were calling it uh, an old school energy drink, but uh, people immediately their heads go to uh, Red Bull and Monster. This was this was uh, an old farmer's drink, so they would bring this out into the fields in you know the early 1900s when they were working the fields. It's basically vinegar, ginger water and a uh, some type of sweetener to balance it out 
whether it was maple syrup or honey, is up <clears throat> to the person making it. And that's lighter on the alcohol content, right? This one, you know, we have we have it at less than one percent. I haven't sent it out to be tested to verify whether or not it is zero or it is not. So, huh. and uh, it's very refreshing. Awesome. Very refreshing. So, do you have future plans for the meadery and the meat hall here? We definitely do. We've got a lot of uh, <laughs> lot of future plans. We've got events. Some uh, new flavors cooking up or anything. I do. I do. And. Uh, <laughs> I have I have one in the kegerator that uh, we can try off the air. Fantastic. Yes. That will be actually launched for our 1 year anniversary celebration that we're doing in May on May 9th. Awesome. That was uh, it, not officially our one year from December, but we didn't want to do a celebration in the middle of winter. As long as there's a booze, people don't care. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to release that one for our uh, 1 year anniversary. And then for National Mead Day in August, I have another special that we're coming out with. I didn't know there was a National Mead Day. I probably should have. First Saturday in August. <laughs> okay, it's Hopefully you'll be here. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, we, we do a big bash on that event. Awesome. Yes. What are some of your interests outside of the meadery then? I know obviously you're a nuclear engineer. How Actually, how'd you end up getting into nuclear engineering or settling on that as for school? <laughs> Uh, probably goes back to high school study hall where I was reading up on uh, nuclear power in the <laughs> library for what random reason I can't tell you but uh, and I really I really fell in love with nuclear power I feel like it absolutely has a future in the world as long as it's done right yeah um, it is you know in today's climate change world and uh, carbon aware uh, you know, uh, society, it's a carbon-free source of power. And I don't believe there's a single source of power that needs to be exclusively used, but I believe that we need to have a balance of different technologies. And nuclear needs needs to have a future, and I still believe it has a future. Interesting. In the right way. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I started there, and uh, from there I was not able to get a job because the industry had collapsed and uh, went back and got my civil engineering degree. Okay. So uh, started working in that field, ended up doing uh, more process engineering and plant engineering, ended up going from there to, uh, to GE, doing controls engineering, designing control systems for power plants, and uh, now I'm working at a power plant for my day job. Nice. And uh, what do you like to do for fun? So for fun, uh, but you're not making mead and nuclear engineering. As dry as this sounds, I, <laughs> I do love to study. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Is, of, are you a history buff, Viking-wise, at least? Viking history I, or anything like that? I'm a big believer in studying the real truth of history. Yep. Because history was written by the winners, not the losers. So it is an Yeah, that is an interesting Look point. beyond what you're taught. And I do a lot of studying on, you know, not not tinfoil hat type <laughs> history. But, Keep the aliens out, tinfoil right. hat. But, you know, the real history behind what we're taught. Yeah. You know, Christopher Columbus discovered America. Well, did he really? Or had the Norse been out here before him? Yeah. And what evidence is there? You know, I mean, there was a Norse settlement found in Nova Scotia that predates him. So studying up on those kinds of things really interests me. 
Uh, music is a big passion of mine. Nice. Um, I had been in a few. Two of my favorite bands. things are booze and music. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'm an amateur, self-taught musician. Been in a few bands in the past, cover bands, and uh, we always have music playing here at the Meat Hall. Um, my my selection of music. Uh, I do like a wide variety, but we chose something that's probably fairly universal, but on the heavier side. <laughs> and I still love music. We still love concerts. We have two children, and uh, our older son is now starting to go to concerts with us. And uh, they, they're both big music fans. Awesome. Too. All right. So I think that's going to do it for this episode. All right. All right. Excellent. A big thank you, Peter, for joining me and hanging out and sharing some meat with me. This stuff has been absolutely delicious. So I'm confident i will leave with bottle <laughs> excellent <laughs> we're, something we're else happy to have you here we're glad uh, yeah and i'm definitely excited to come back when the weather's nice and we can open the doors and because like i said it's just beautiful around here with like the trees and kind of secluded yeah, wait till you see what the landscaping is going to be for our <laughs> grand opening anniversary i'm looking for I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well <laughs> You can, of course, check out Heldeberg's Meadwork website at heldebergmeadworks.com to learn a little bit more about about their products and where they're available. Check your local liquor stores as well. And be sure to like and follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to keep tabs on the awesome stuff they have going on. Anything else you want to throw in? I think that covers it. Excellent. A big thank you to everyone out there for checking out the show. Be sure to like and follow Stories from a Bar on Facebook, as well as the show on Instagram and Twitter at StoriesFAB. You can, of course, find the show on Apple and Google Podcasts, Podbeam, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe, and even more importantly, leave a fantastic review. Help spread the word. So until next time, cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.